solution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I know it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. <laughs> Sound like a song there. I know, right? Without these dope scriptures to step to. Anyway, this is the House to House podcast. This is Amadi. I'm in here with Ragu. Uh, yeah, yeah. As always, uh, you can check this wonderful podcast where podcasts are hosted. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and the Clouds of Sound. And as always, you can touch base with us at divemedia.co. That is divemedia.co. Have a wonderful Facebook group. If you want to continue the conversation with us beyond the podcast, please get at us on the Facebook group. So it's gotten a little quiet. So I, we we don't need you guys to kind of step your 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 Facebook game back up. So Facebook friends, I've actually gotten back on Facebook. I was kind of I was kind of quiet on Facebook personally in 2019. So I've I've had to step my 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 Facebook game back up. So for those of you who follow me on Facebook, you probably should have seen more activity from me over the last month or two than you probably have seen in a year, <laughs> at least a year. So anyway. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all those different things. But if you want to touch base with us personally, if you reach out to us on the Facebook group, we will gladly respond by the provocation of our wives. Uh, Ragu and I have been <laughs> threatened to get back, <laughs> to get more active in the Facebook. <laughs> to to uh, be more, more active in, in the Facebook group. So anyway, with that being said, we have a returning guest with us today, friend, a brother, a father, wonderful man, uh, Dana Thompson. Dana, why do you say hello to the people? Hello, Marty, and uh, good to be with you and Ragu, and hello to everyone listening today. Yay and amen. So Ragu is actually out in Texas hanging out with Dana. For those of you who listened to when Dana was on before, you know he's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, and Ragu is actually out that way visiting with Dana. So if Ragu doesn't sound like he's here with me, it's because he's not. He is yeah. out in Texas. Get to visit the big state of Texas and enjoy all its sights and good relationships out in this direction. Ragu had to go all the way out to Texas to, to let his beer start to grow in. So y'all know. So y'all see Ragu come back. He he left a boy and came back a man. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's always good. To, it's always good to host um, Ragu and Akima. It's a it's a tremendous blessing, and also it speaks of divine timing because, as you said before, um, you both were here last time around the last time we recorded, and now here it is. Ragu is here again. So. Either you were just picking when some one of you guys are here to record, or is that just a coincidence? <laughs> I, that's right. Yeah, we we did do something when I was there. Yeah, that that's right. I forgot about I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. Man, so for for those of you wondering, you know, what is the uh, the occasion for us to have Dana back on? So Dana has written a new book. Um, it's not that new. I mean, it's newish now. It's been out for a little bit. Um, entitled House of Honor. 
Um, I have read just about all of it. You know, Kindle kind of keeps track of how far you got. They say, hey, hey, brother, you got 20 more pages. Hey, you got 10 more pages left. So um, I am a, I am approximately 83% complete with the book, according to Amazon Kindle. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but no, it's it's a great book. Um, I you know really thoroughly encourage you out to go out and get it. Obviously, we enjoy it, or we wouldn't have Dana on today. So, with that being said, um, Dana, give give everybody your back, you know, your kind of back backdrop in in terms of how you see honor, honor's place. You know, has honor fallen out of favor with you know with the people of God? And how we treat one another. What are some of your thoughts on just the concept of of honor within the body of Christ? Well, let me just start out just by saying uh, once again, thank you uh, for having me on House to House. Um, I really appreciate and love this podcast. Uh, listen to it all the time, and I think that what you're doing is um, really, really encouraging the body of Christ. So I just commend you and Rangu for your obedience and also for your sacrifice and love for the people of God to be able to um, do this broadcast. One of the things that Amadi did not mention is that he had the opportunity to write the forward for, <laughs> for my book. And I'm gonna come back to that because I was really blessed by his forward and I, I wanna say some things about that. But to answer your question directly, Amadi, um, you know, I believe the scripture tells us that God does not dwell you know, in temples made with hands. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture says. So uh, my heart is um, that the human family is known to be the house of God or the temple of God. And so this is where I got the title house of honor. What basically allowed me to um, begin to write this book is a vision that I had of this immaculate house and if you actually see the book, you're going to see a golden house on the front of the cover because in this vision, I saw this immaculate house. I mean, it had beautiful doors and uh, custom made windows and incredible roof. Um, it was just a really immaculate house, but it didn't have a foundation, you know, and a house without a foundation is condemned. Um, so I begin to think about, you know, the scripture that talks about Abba father and how Abba is actually the Greek word means foundation. It means source. It actually means uh, the root of something. And I begin to also think about how the, the greatest crisis I believe in national development is not money. It's not lack of investment. You know, it's not crime or unemployment, but the, but I believe the greatest national development crisis we have is the absence of fathers. I believe the greatest national crisis today in our nation and in our homes is the absence of fathers. And so what I wanted to convey in this house of honor is how important it is um, not only to restore the value and principle of honor, but how important it is to see the role of the father throughout um, this generation and throughout the scriptures when it comes to us talking about you know, um, honor, because a teacher is not a father. Um, there are people who teach you things, but they're not a father. A guardian is not a father because the scripture tells us and Paul says that you have many guardians, but not many fathers. You know, a friend is not a father, you know, and if you're a sperm don donor, <laughs> that doesn't designate you to be a father. You can be a male. You can even be a man, but you can't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a father. A father is a, a position of functioning. It's not a title. 
And uh, therefore, um, what I emulate in the book is that I want people to understand that a father means someone who you can imitate. And Paul told us to imitate him as he followed Christ. And as we imitate others, we learn to do things. And one of those things that God is restoring is uh, honor. That's, that's good that you say restore, um, because if it's, if it's something that needs to be restored, it's clearly not in the place in which the father had envisioned, right? It's, it's clearly not, not in that place. We don't, esteem, you know, unless, unless we feel like somebody can offer us something, right? Or, you know, do something for us. We, in general, and I, you know, I always say we just because I'm a part of the body of Christ. You know, we, we don't tend to, to show those people honor. And the Bible even says to, you know, show those parts that are, you know, that, that don't seem honorable, show them more honor. So, I think that, that that's an, an, an excellent description, Dana. Yeah, because we can't, we can't deliver what we never had. You know, we can't demand from people what they cannot give. And one of the things that I sort of uh, answered the question to, somebody asked me, why don't you write this book of honor like you're asking me today? Is because I told them, you know, there's a statement that I learned that expectations are premeditated resentments. And uh, what I basically meant by that is, you know, when, when in life, uh, we always expect something to happen. A lot of times um, when they don't turn out the way we thought it would turn out, people can become resentful as a result. So my thing is you can't expect a husband to know how to honor a wife. You can't expect um, a, a son or daughter to learn how to honor their parents. You can't expect a, 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 just a believer to honor God if they've seen no demonstration or they have not been taught or, you know, that particular principle has not been manifested before them, because that's the difference between a teacher guardian and a father. A father always will have the time to spend with you so that you can observe his lifestyle and his behavior. You know, one of the things I'm really excited about is you and Ragu as not only men of God, but as husbands and as fathers, what makes my heart delightful is, if you've ever looked to me as a father, which I know you have, um, my heart is one in which I pray that you seen and observe from my life what I have been as a husband and as a father. And as a result, you can take those things and you can implement them in your life. And I can see where you have, whether it's from your natural father, whether it's from me as a father or any father that you have decided to look at who was functioning as a father. I see how you guys have. And as a result, you're a great um, husbands and also your wonderful um, fathers, both naturally and spiritually. Yeah, I think that Dana, you bring out a, a key point in the the fact that you 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 explicitly use the word father, and in in conjunction with being able to demonstrate uh, the way that essentially one lives their life before another as a key component of honoring first and foremost the Lord. And then in turn, being able to kind of replicate that, that, uh, that just, just being uh, a representation, you know? Yes. I think that, yeah. you know, th there's a, there's a, a, a statement that you made um, in the book. It's in the, it's in the early parts of the book where you say um, that it's a, this is a, a two parters cause I, I really want to expound upon it. But I'm going to say the the second part before the first part. You say to in in order to experience the corporate Christ, 
we have to cut ties with that which is artificial. Um, and I just thought that a lot of what you just shared is essentially that that artificial in, in terms of not choosing to show honor, not choosing to properly function. Those are, are, are artificial behaviors, you know, for, for a child of God. Um, we're just called to a little bit more, you know, we're, we're called to operate a little bit higher. And so we can't, we, we, we don't get a chance to fully, you know, experience that, that corporateness of, of the body because we're choosing to, you know, behave artificially almost like, you know, we're choosing to operate artificially and, and it's really by choice. It's really, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we're like, eh, I don't feel like doing that. Eh, I, don't, I don't feel like, you know, being obedient, you know, essentially. Um, and that's that's art for, for a child of God. That's just artificial behavior. But yes. the so that was the second part. So the first part, and this was, even though it was in the first chapter, it was actually, to me, one of the most powerful statements in the book. And I'd love to get your, you know, to, to get you to um, expound upon it a little bit further. You say that that um, the season for the corporate Christ has arrived. That we're you said we're in a new season. The season of the corporate Christ has arrived. Now, for me, that really resonated because I had been telling a lot of folks in you know, up in this area. You know, guys, I really feel like we're coming into a new season. Really feel like that last season where God was really trying to, you know, elevate and and put the highlight on the Father's Son. I feel like he he has kind of concluded some things, and I was like, but I'm not really sure what it is. So I'm not making any you know declarations. You know, Christians have to you know declare and decree. But I was like, I'm just really sensing in in my spirit that we're coming in something new. So when I when I read the first chapter, and I was like. You know, all the lights just started to go off, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's exactly what I I had been sensing." So, what what are you know what are some of your thoughts, or just what had had you been seeing in in terms of revelation for us coming into this new season of the corporate Christ? Yeah, it's almost like um, you're probably familiar with um, a recent what I consider to be a victorious story, and that is uh, Shanita's mom recently found some. Uh, family that she was not aware of who is in, in another country. And I just saw as she met them, I saw the excitement and also is almost as if, you know, for years, you didn't know that this person was a part or a relative in your family. And then you come to um, grasp that, wow, you know, I have more family. And uh, so that's sort of the picture I, I sort of arrived to. I use in the book, the analogy of a puzzle and how, you know, in a puzzle you have each piece, but, um, your ultimate goal is to get that picture on the front of that box. And how do we get there? You know, how do we see the completeness of the picture um, if we only have parts? And it all starts up by parts connecting to each other, you know, and uh, as the parts begin to connect with one another, um, you no longer have need of that individual piece because it finds its place in the whole. And that's how the corporate crisis, uh, while each of us have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and each of us have an individual walk with God, it's not until we learn to die to ourselves, you know, unless a corner we fall to the ground and die, you know, bring forth no fruit. When we die to ourselves, we become a part of something greater. It's not that in and of ourselves, the individual Christ isn't wonderful, but I'm letting you know that uh, there's supposed to be a progression, you know, of that which is happening in us, that we begin to embrace that which is much bigger and much more corporate. And that is the entire family of God in heaven and earth. So my vision has always been one Wherewith, when I say it's a corporate season, I believe the father and son, it was a, just a cornerstone 
of the foundation that has to be laid because it all starts with the family of God. We're told in the scripture that um, that he set, you know, those who are lonely. I believe in Psalm 68, verse number five and six, it talks about he, how he set those who are lonely in family. He said, if you want to know how to, to love and to be loved, if you want to know how to um, honor one another, I'm going to set you in a family so that you can learn these things. So the family is very important. And of course, a family consists of a father and a mother. And those two, no matter what your age is, can show you, you know, this virtue of this attribute of the Lord. So, you know, I definitely appreciate um, your your explanation of just the, the season and um, the things that we're feel like it's coming into. Uh, so I guess with that said, you know, is is the book that you've written just specifically for believers or do you feel like this has some application to the world as well? That's a very good question, Gregu. Very, very good question. I'm going to go back and resort to Amadi's for it because I think that that opens the door to the answer to that question. Um, and Amadi Ford, he stated that honor is one of those concepts that if practically lived out and expressed can have the potential to become very ambiguous. I like that word. He says we honor persons, we honor places, we honor dates, we honor ideas. And uh, he even asked himself the question in his forward, um, you know, I really pause and question people who say they honor me, but don't really get to know me. You know, there's people like presidents. If the president of the United States came in your abode somewhere, wherever you were, um, you're going to probably exhibit a little honor. You know, if the principal of your high school came back to visit you at work, you're going to probably give that principal some honor. If a policeman stops you, you're going to show some general respect. So, yes, um, those who know us, basically, know, especially if they know us after the experience, is going to ex exhibit some type of honor to us. But even those who we don't know, there's a general respect and honor that we, we exhibit towards them. So honor, um, we honor people in positions of authority. So therefore, not only does this consist of believers, but non-believers as well. The question is, Amadi really asks in his forward, and I ask you to just read the forward. If you don't read anything else, I was blessed by Amadi's forward. But how <laughs> can you possibly build anything without honor and respect? That's a question that we need to ask. And Amadi began to talk about the materials we choose to build or to construct the building. And so um, whether you're a believer or non-believer, you know, the way you build will determine whether or not, you know, what you're building, if it will stand or not. You know, so scripture is very clear that we can use anything. And Monty says this in his forward as well. We can use anything to build, but the finished product will be tested. You know, when the winds and the storm and the waters come, that's going to show what it's really like. So Amadi also says in the forward, he talks about the difference between honor and patronizing, which I think is very powerful. You know, to patronize means you're going to treat uh, a person in some way that's apparently uh, make them feel superior, you know, and how we have to be very careful to be able to discern the difference between those two. And I think that's very important. But for the non-believer, the person who's not a believer in Christ, um, if you're married, uh, I begin to talk about honoring your spouse. If you have parents, I talk about honoring your parents. So there's some things I believe that as far as principle, because my heart behind even writing or uh, writing books, period, is that I begin to believe that this generation doesn't have really a lot to stand on. 
You know, they don't have principles. They don't understand principles. And as a result of that, I think it's really important that we begin to reiterate and show them what principles will work so that you'll have a foundation to stand on. So when those winds and tough times come, you won't get blown away. I think that's that's excellent. That's excellent. Because there's another statement in in the book that you make, and I think it it speaks a lot to that as well. Um, And I didn't mention my forward because I'm such a humble I'm just a humble. Guy. No, I'm just this is a good forward. No, man. I'm just kidding. Really good forward. <laughs> um, but I had to. I had to read it like three or four times. I did. I read it like three or four times because it like it. It really ministered to me because I was like, wow. Even though I wrote this book on honor, you know, I begin to see um, different dimensions of it when you when you begin to talk about some of the things. So I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Oh no, it, it was my pleasure. I actually, you know, for for those of you listening, it, it, it for me it it was cool on two levels because like I had started to write it and I was just about finished and I said I was like Dana let me see the manuscript of the book I want to make sure that what I'm writing is in line with with what you wrote I didn't want to be out in left field until so just to kind of see how the the Lord was still you know sort of still you know doing some of the same thing sometimes for me you know I, I like to you know take you know taste and see that that, that the Lord is good and so I'll, I'll just, I was just like, so I started to read. And I said, "Ah, oh, all right, excellent." I, I felt like I was in in line with with what the Lord had really been moving in your heart. So no, it was a, it was my pleasure. Um, but with that, you actually made a statement. Um, it and you you state that giving honor, and this goes to me, I think, uh, with the artificial aspects as well as the choice um, component. Mm-hmm. We say, you know, giving honor does not depend on the worthiness of the recipient. Rather, it is a voluntary decision to unconditionally place value upon a person because of who he or she is or whom they represent. And again, I just thought that that was powerful because, yeah, regardless of who the person is, we show honor because we choose to to show honor. Um, And, you know, people want to dishonor a lot of different things, whether it's police, you know, like you, you mentioned police you know, different public officials, even their own parents for whatever reasons. Um, and for whatever reasons we think they may deserve dishonor, those reasons might be valid. But right. we but we still have to make the the choice to to show honor. And I think that that's just a part of us moving out of that artificial piece of our of our calling is just, you know, children of God. Right. Because that which is artificial doesn't produce life. You know, my whole purpose of talking about the artificial is to go back to the organic body of Christ, to go back to those organic relationships. And if it's not built upon the organic, that which which is organic, it cannot produce life. And that's key, you know, because why spend your whole life and then on your deathbed wondering if you have any genuine relationships? I've never seen any persons, and I've visited a lot of them who are, on, while on their death, deathbed, ask for, you know, their their car note or their will or, you know, anything material, they always ask for, where's my son and daughter? Because when you're on your deathbed, you realize what's most important to you and that's relationships. And, and those relationships have to be organic in order for you to, you know, be able to uh, embrace that. Um, I just wanted to say that I also believe that honor opens the door to rulership. And I talk about that in chapter number one, how our rulership on earth uh, basically has a lot to do with uh, the culture of honor. And I use Joseph as an example and how as a result of him being honored, you know, even though he went, he was thrown in the pit by his brothers, thought to be dead, 
and accused falsely of, of course, his master's wife having an affair with her. Um, everywhere he went, uh, you notice that people who exhibited honor or he exhibited honor, it promoted him to a place, you know, in, in his life. So even in prison, he was promoted to lead all the prisoners, you know, to the point where he had a dream. And then, of course, he got out of prison because of, once again, you can trace it all back to the spirit of honor. So one of the ties you'll see constantly throughout all the chapters of Mahdi, and I'm sure you've seen this, is that how I tie honor to the fear of the Lord. Yeah. You know, the fear yes. of the Lord and honor is uh, basically, you'll see all throughout scriptures where they're tied together, how fear and reverence is tied to honor. And, you know, for, for those of you listening, and, you know, one of the things that I've had to fully, you know, just really embrace, um, it's, a, it's a characteristic that you see in Christ, you know, when you see, you know, Yeshua, when, when he walked the earth, when you see Paul, they spoke with such, you know, like finality, right? They spoke very authoritative and with finality. It wasn't, there was nothing left open. And so in, in chapter six of the book, you, you made this statement and it just, you know, rung like one of those statements for in, in, in my heart um, where it says that truth exists independently of people. Um, I just love that because it's like a lot of times people will say, well, you know, listen, that's you. You do, you know, I don't know if I need to honor everybody. They did this to me or, you know, their behavior is that. And it's like, well, truth is, this is truth. Truth is absolute. You know, people try to make truth relative. Um, and I just thought, wait, listen, it's, if it's absolute, it does exist independent of people. So you, you know, again, this goes back to that whole choice thing. You can make the mm-hmm. choice, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're making a choice. Don't put it on the truth. The truth exists independent of you. You're, you're making a, you know, conscious decision to do something. And, and if that thing is dishonor, then that's on you. That's right. We're told to honor our parents, you know, in Exodus 20, 12, it says, hey, honor your father, the mother. And he ties that to a long life upon the earth. We're told in the scripture that uh, this is the only command where we have a promise. Why do you believe that out of all the commandments, honoring your parents is tied to a promise? No, No other commandment that he gave was tied to a promise that your life will be long upon the earth because something very pivotal there. And it comes back to the very foundation of what I said before, how the important fathers is. Because if a father is in place, you won't have a child going off killing someone else. If a father is in place, we wouldn't have people in prison. Because a father is a function whereby with, if this person, whether it's a son or daughter, emulate that father. And if that father is exhibiting you know, characteristics of Christ, of gentleness, compassion, kindness, that's what your children is going to also exhibit. So if you have somebody you can observe, a life you can observe, or if you have someone you can learn from, what God is basically saying is that I'm not just going to give you long life upon the earth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that because you honor them, because you're honoring them, you're, you're actually doing what they're telling you to do. You're respecting them. Your life is live long because all the things that were short in your life are null and void, you know? So uh, I think that's really important when it comes to when we talk about respect and honor. I definitely agree with you, Daniel. Um, so with, with, with just that aspect of just honoring one another, kind of what is the transition or what is the expected result from, you know, people reading the book to 
you want them to exemplify on Army? Of course you would, but um, is there a transitional kind of a step past that? Yeah, that's a very good question, Raghu. Well, when you talk about the House of Honor, and as Amadi said in the very beginning of the broadcast, we're talking about building corporately. A key building block has to be honor. Because if God tells us to honor one another, that means that, that we can possibly dishonor one another. And with dishonor, you can't build anything. You show me a marriage who a husband dishonors his wife and his wife dishonors him, I'll show you a marriage that there's nothing being built there. So the people of God cannot build apart from honor. You know, that's a very important aspect of building. So in this corporate vision of mine, what I'm basically saying is that this characteristic is a key. That's why I say in the subtitle of the book is called a key building block, because this characteristic is key for us to be able to achieve what God wants to do corporately and as a whole people. Um, Dana, I do see that you kind of give it a kind of a, a heading of a series of these particular books called Kingdom Family Legacy. Mm -hmm. Now, was there additional text that you have uh, coming out soon? Um, additional text as far as for this Any book? Any other books? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, Kingdom Family Legacy is um, a series that bring the principle of successful living and practical and memorable teaching in a format that I want the family to be able to embrace. You know, So the overall goal of Kingdom Family Legacy is just to prepare the next generation you know, for relationships built on successful principles. That's sort of what my heart for Kingdom Family Legacy is. But I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, Marty, I don't know if you know, but I'm sure you do, that in my next book um, that has basically just been released um, as we speak is called Porno, um, The Road to Intimacy which uh, helps men get over and also women, any type of um, pornography addictions and any type of addictions, period. Right? Who had the opportunity to write the forward to that? So hopefully we'll talk about that at some <laughs> other point. But do know that, um, yes, the heart to establish and to encourage the next generation, the grasp principles so that they can stand on and give them vision for the future. You know, the Lord says, without vision, my people perish. So the reason why we're seeing these foolish acts by even young people killing up you know, people in a mall. The reason why we're seeing this is because there's no vision. They, they have no vision of their future. And that's where the, you know, it tells us in scripture that the God of this world, you know, will blind the minds of those who believe not. So when you're blinded in your heart, you know, because we see with our, with our heart, we don't see with our eyes. Our eyes are just windows. But our heart is where we actually see. When the eyes of our heart are blinded, then that means we see not, we have no purpose. And when the people do not have a purpose, that means we do things such as, you know, we'll promote preserving nature, but we'll kill babies. You know, we build solid houses, but we can't construct lasting homes. You know, when you don't have purpose, basically you're smarter, you know, but you're not wiser and you're bigger, but you're not stronger. You know, we, you know, we live longer, but we enjoy life less. So, so this is so important <laughs> that we understand the principles of God when it comes to the kingdom of God. Amen. Those are, those are really good analogies. Those are actually really good analogies. You know, something that, you know, you just, when um, Ragu just asked that question, it, it sparked another question in me. And it was, do you believe that concepts like this, like honor and understanding it fully are more important for those of us who no longer walk in an institutional lifestyle? Because, you know, I mean, in the institution, you are sort of, Com, you know, compelled to show honor. You're kind of, it's, it's kind of mm -hmm. you know, coerced because a person may have a position or a title, etc. 
And so because of that, you have to show them honor. But as you begin to, to walk in the kingdom, you don't have those same compulsions. So now I have to truly understand honor because I'm now honoring the person that God has created, like this child of God, you know, not someone who's lording over me. Is that, do you feel like this is something that, you know, as children of God, we have to really get a full revelation of? Yes, definitely. I think it's very important because like you said, Amadi, um, as you mentioned in your forward, uh, patronizing, I think that's what we get to in a lot of institutional settings. I mean, you start carrying the bags of uh, the pastor and, you know, you, be, you do certain things and, and you're doing it because you're told to do it, not so much that, you know, or you're looking for position. Right. You know, people do things a lot because it benefits them. And the honor of the word of God talks about is not to personally benefit us. You know, when we honor, we defer to the other. And uh, you are being personally benefited, but not the way you think. Uh, so what I will say is that um, whether you're in an institution or out of an institution, you know, I believe it's really important that we come familiar with uh, a spirit of familiarity. And uh, the spirit of familiarity will allow you to start to see people, you know, from the natural, not the spiritual. So when the scriptures say no one another after the spirit, I think is really important no matter what setting you are in, that you begin to discern and know one another after the spirit. I mentioned this story in the book and I just briefly mentioned it about a brother who always called me and he wants to borrow money, okay? He always wanted to borrow money to call me. And uh, it got to the point and I love him, you know, because he's my brother. And so if I had it, I'll tell him and I'd give it to him. If I didn't have it, I'd basically allow him to know as well. But um, it got to the point where we didn't call sometimes I won't. I was hesitant to answer the phone because I was like, oh, he want money, <laughs> you know? So at one point the phone rang and I saw his name and uh, the Lord basically uh, convicted me and says, uh, why didn't you pick up the phone? I said, because I know what he want. And he says, and the Lord asked me this question and I mentioned this in the book, what operating system are you using? And me being in technology, you know, knowing that I'm doing an upgrade right now from Windows 7 to Windows 10 environment for companies and stuff, I knew exactly what he was talking about, you know, that the spirit of my mind was not the same in the spirit of God's mind. And that's why it's so important that we sync up every once in a while. You know, we have to sync our mind with his mind to update and, and receive those patches, you know, that we need to receive or those upgrades in our memory and in our thinking, how God views someone. And it really convicted me. And I called the brother back and uh, basically he did want to borrow some money, but still, <laughs> but still, it was a lesson from the Lord to allow me. Though it doesn't matter, you know, what somebody called you for. I still want you to be able to see them after the Spirit, and I still want you to honor them if it's in your power to do so. Well, Dana, if anyone wanted to get any of the Kingdom Family Legacy books, if they wanted to jump on House of Honor or anything that you've written in the past, as well as your future works that you mentioned that are on the way out. Um, how, how would they be able to get a hold of, of what you're writing and get in contact with you? Sure. Thank you for asking, Amadi. The, um, the four books, which is uh, Waken to My Wife, um, Covering Empowering Women, and also House of Honor and Porno, The Road to Intimacy. All four of those are on our website, which is www.kingdomfamilylegacy.com. So uh, that would be the best place to get any of the books. And of course, all of the books are also um, available via Amazon and uh, Kindle, but um, you can get hardback and also you can 
get the ebooks from our website as well. And if people wanted to hit you up directly, is there a way that they could contact you directly? Yes. As a matter of fact, I just encourage people, if you go to the website, you'll see a contact us. And um, that's where I prefer people to actually put in because they'll have a, where they can put their information, where I can return um, their email calls or whatever way they want me to reach them, but also a place where they can type any questions and I can respond back to them. So I better monitor things in one area. And I think that's probably the best area to monitor things because I check that, you know, more constantly than other things. There's so much social media, as you know, so much technology out there. It's easy to get lost in the world of Facebook, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, and all those others. So I prefer to address any type of questions or if anybody want any additional information by them going to contact us on our website. That's wisdom right there, folks. Narrow down your narrow down your your tunnels of, of intake. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we you know again we uh, wholeheartedly endorse a House of Honor. And if you wanted to you know get your copy, please go check out Kingdom Family Legacy's website. Um, we love it, and my forward is in it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a great forward is that. Uh, but again, we we really do thank Dana for coming on. Thank you very much, Dana. And you all know if it's honor. If it's intimacy, you know, we're going to continue to advance our father's kingdom one house at a time. So for Ragu, this is Amadi saying bye-bye. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out of line and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out of line and chalk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out of line. Shaw.